for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified broadcast. I am your host, Tom Quiet, and we are sitting here live. Actually, we are both in Texas. I'm in Waco. Y'all are in Austin. Yep. And we are sitting here with the band Caravan Thorn. How's it going today? Going great. How are you doing? Very oh, good. I am excited. I am pumped. It, it was a great Monday, so like that's the best way to end of the day with another great podcast. I'm really glad you guys were able to uh, make some time for this. Yeah, us too. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, not a problem. So let, let's have you guys introduce yourselves individually and what your involvement with the band is. So my name is Carrie Stevens. Um, I am the lead singer and Kazobo player of the band um, and also probably like the main songwriter. I probably do about 80% of the songwriting. Awesome. <clears throat> I'm Adam Donovan. I, um, I play bass mainly and guitar. Um, some of the trombone stuff I tracked on the album. Um, I do a lot of their recording and engineering, uh, a lot of the technical stuff is what i'm in charge of perfect um so let's just kind of start with the basics let let's help people get to know you a little bit better um what got you started in music was it a specific song you heard on the radio was it somebody in your family we'll start with uh, carrie oh okay uh wow um i guess i don't know that there was one specific thing i always remember music being a part of my life, even in childhood, my parents actually met doing community theater, which involved a lot of musicals, especially back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and so it was just always around. We always were listening to music. We always had, we had records back when those were a thing. I guess they're a thing again now on vinyl. Um, but I remember listening to a lot of musicals, I would say, listening to Jesus Christ Superstar on repeat because it was so new and fresh at the time that you would actually do a musical that was rock music. And then just growing up with all sorts of different influences, they liked a lot of different things. So I wasn't ever listening to just one genre. So I would say probably my biggest thing was growing up on musicals. So that's probably where I really developed my love for singing was because then I also got to act at the same time, which was a lot of fun for me because it was, it's always been fun to pretend to be another person. And uh, Adam? For me, uh, I, my, my first musical memory was of uh riding through the mountains with, with my parents listening to, you know, old 
Pink Floyd and Frank Zappa on the on the cassette in the in the RV, and then um, I went to an elementary school that had a fine arts program. So uh, I started playing the trombone in the fourth grade, and that quickly turned into I want to play guitar, and then it's just all history from there. But I remember when I wanted to do it for a living and I actually wanted to play music. I was my first concert that I ever went to was smashing pumpkins on the Siamese dream tour. <laughs> and, um, I, I just fell in love and I, I had to, I had to gotta be that guy on stage at this point. I want to be, I, that's what I want to do. And I've been working ever since to make that happen. Wonderful. Um, and what's kind of the backstory of the band Caravan Thorn? How did you guys come together? What, what's like the lineage of the band? I guess you can blame my partner for that. Um, he actually worked with another guy who was starting a band. And he so he separately knew me and Adam. Um, and just kind of, he was looking for a bass player. He was looking for a lead singer. And so we started in a band called Donkey Island, which was kind of Red River Rock type music. Okay. And that's how Adam and I met. And while we were in that band, we realized we had a lot of similar interests and tastes in music, which is to say very broad interests in music. Um, definitely don't like to stick to just one genre. And I think the moment, the moment I feel that it really clicked for us was when I came to Donkey Island with a brand new song called Whatever It Takes. And Adam understood what I was going for immediately because I don't play any instruments. And that's kind of where I've always struggled throughout my life. Just being a singer, I never, I never just was able to sit down and really focus on learning an instrument. So I came with this tune, this melody, this song, and I was like, and there's, there's breaks in here at these points. And Adam just got it. And no one else in the band could really figure out what I was trying to do. I was like, okay, me and Adam, we're, we're on the same page here musically. It was about uh, probably six months after that when the band broke up and we decided that it was time for us to, to start Caravan Thorn. At the time it was Caravan, which was a combination of Carrie and Donovan, my last name. So we realized uh, after a few years of doing that, that there were way too many Caravan bands out. So we changed the name to Caravan Thorn to differentiate ourselves from the pack. And uh, it's, it's been pretty nice. Uh, released our first album under that name and uh, just been, we're writing right now. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of helped us really figure out our branding as well was coming up with that new name. Caravan was, it was just something that happened. It was actually someone else's idea um, to put those two things together because we were struggling to name ourselves. So we just kind of ran with it. And then Caravan Thorn came about because we, we knew we were in a good place. We were ready to release music. We had it all there, but we just didn't, there was just something missing. We were struggling to figure out how to sell ourselves. And so we actually had gone to a DIY musician conference hosted by CD Baby and learned a lot of- One in Nashville, the 
Uh, no, they have a, they had it in Austin last year and they're going to okay. have it again in Austin this year. Oh, awesome. Um, and learned a lot of really interesting things. But one of the ideas that we came back with was to have a listening party and just ask other people what they think about it. And that kind of changed the game for us, I think, because knowing what other people are hearing really helped us in figuring out who we were as a band and where we needed to go. So the name change spawned from that. Um, our genre description spawned from that. And I know for me, I feel a lot more comfortable with my onstage presence because I feel like I know what this band is now. Perfect. Um, and it's actually kind of funny that you brought up that your name was originally Caravan because I, that's initially how we started talking was there was another band out there named Caravan and I thought you were a part of that band and then you educated me really quick that nope two different bands uh, so. i was trying to figure out who maddie was i'm like there's no one in our band named maddie i wonder if that's on your end no it, it was <laughs> there's another band out there named caravan and yeah that that was quite you know but no nope. hey the, the connection was made the introduction was made so i'm not mad at it oh yeah and i you know what they're gonna come to discover what we did that caravan is a difficult name <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of people named caravan yep yep and so you guys are based in Austin. We are. Mm -hmm. Are you both from Austin, born and raised, or no one? No one's really from Austin. Okay. <laughs> Where are you guys? Um, so I was actually born in Southern California, but I really consider myself having been being from Portland, Oregon. That's really where a lot of my formative memories are from. My parents still live there, so it still feels like home to me whenever I go back and visit. Um, kind of came to Austin in a really roundabout way, driving across the country a couple of times. But I would say I'm, I'm really from Portland. Okay. I grew up in uh, the armpit of the planet, Odessa, Texas. And um, I wouldn't recommend going there. It's rough. But uh, I... Uh, that's like I got, Friday Night Lights territory. That's you know? that's exactly right. Yeah, yep. and uh, if if you don't love football, then you you're un American there. Um, it's it's pretty wild, but uh, I got I moved to Austin for the music, and I I never I never realized how how quickly it could come together. Uh, just moving to another city and and getting in front of new people. It's it's a really incredible city. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and but. I lived in Roswell, New Mexico for four years. And so I went to Odessa semi-regularly because of Friday Night Lights. I don't know why, <laughs> but, you know, it was, I wanted to be able to say that I'd been to Odessa. That, like, I hadn't just seen it on a movie. I've actually been there. Yeah. So, but um, how Austin, Texas is such a independent music scene like hotbed like especially with like south by southwest and all the things that i see the popping up on my facebook event page how does a band really stand out in austin texas that is a great question i'm in three bands so i'm constantly trying to differentiate myself three ways and um it, it's hard because there's so many bands, there's so many venues, there's so much going on. You can go and see 200 live bands 
on a Monday night in Austin, Texas right now. Yep. No question. And most of them will be for free. That's the other thing is how do we, how do we monetize that? How do we, how do we make a living playing music here? It's, it's difficult. That, and that was actually going to be my next question. How do, how do you do, because I, I assume it's a lot like playing music in Nashville where you're doing it for free or paying to get on a stage. Um, how do you monetize the music in Austin? My way of monetizing it is um, I use the shows to get me in the door because I'm a sound engineer. I'm a recording engineer. I do lighting and, and build studios and other things. So that's my way of getting in and finding other work and meeting other musicians to, to do other projects with. I think another important thing that we discovered is merchandise. Um, my brother actually created a logo for us that we have been putting on anything and everything. And we, we try to be somewhat unique, not so unique that people can't relate to us, but we do have a Kazobo that I play on stage, which is basically like a giant kazoo that looks like a trumpet. So to kind of keep with that theme, we got kazoogles, which are like tiny kazoos shaped like trumpets. Um, so that we have those branded that people love because it's something a little bit different that you're not going to see anywhere else. And with merchandise, I feel like I, that's actually something I do for my day job as well. And you can, things tend to be relatively inexpensive. So you can mark them up in a way that you're making back some of that money, um, just selling merchandise. And then another thing uh, is just creating more unique shows that people actually want to pay to see. We recently did a show with uh, the burlesque troupe Jiggle Watts here in Austin. They do a monthly review at the Sterling Event Center and they've been trying to do this live band burlesque show. They don't, I think they don't always get a band for when they need them, mm -hmm. but I happened to work with the founder of the Jigglewatts a long, long time ago, back when I was doing theater and just reached out and said, Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but we did this show together and I saw your review and really loved it and thought that this band would be a really great backup for that. And she did remember me thankfully and said, yeah, let's do it in February. Here's the pay. And I think because they already had that, established show it was a lot easier for them to say we can pay a band they built that into their budget yeah. so i think just finding or creating more opportunities like that where it's less about just going out and playing at a bar and hoping that you'll get enough tips to make up for it and being more intentional and creative with what you're putting out there so and i think that also speaks to how do you stand out as a band in austin just do something different and really really make it a show, make it more theatrical than just standing on a stage playing music. Very true. Very, very true. Um, how do you, uh, well, first let me ask, how long has uh, the band Caravan Thorn been together at, from, yeah, how long have you guys been together? About six and a half years um, with me and Adam. We, started adding other bandmates probably about two years ago with our first piano player 
and then added a drummer and have recently uh, added two horn players as well. Um, and that all happened, the, the horn players came along after we changed our name and kind of rebranded and decided that we really, we thought it was important to play our music the way that you hear it. Um, the recordings, which do have a lot of horns in them and just lucked out that we met or knew a couple of really, really awesome musicians who are also as excited about this music as we are. And that, as Caravan Thorn, we've been together uh, since September of last year. And you guys uh, just released uh, your debut album. Was I reading that correct? Yes. And what was that process kind of like? Did you specifically write for that album? Or did you have a bunch of songs already pre-written and was like, okay, I like this song, this song, and so on? We have a bit of a sickness where we can't stop writing music. It's okay. hard for us to finish anything because we continually write more music. We have a back catalog of about 20 songs right now that are written, are ready to record. We, when we go in this, when we write, we meet at my house or meet at the studio and we'll sit down and we score everything out in MIDI and everything is, is kind of predetermined on what we want. And then we give our, our bandmates, you know, the latitude to, you know, play, play with it, what you feel. Here's an outline of the song. And, um, so we have a lot of songs that are to that, to the MIDI stage. Okay. They're kind of outlined. We just need to go in the studio and lay down real drums, lay down real piano and horns and, and then they go on the record. And in terms of, of this EP, uh, it was one where we actually released the first single back in October, just to get something out there. As Adam said, we do have this large catalog of songs because when we get together, we usually, one of us is like, oh, I have this song idea. Let's go ahead and start recording it. And it could be anywhere between a few months and a few years to finish that song, depending on what else we're hearing um, and what else we're working on. And so with this EP, knowing that we did have this back catalog, we also didn't, we didn't want to lose the audience in too many songs since it is our first album out there. I think just having the five, we tried to go for five that were all unique in their own way, all representative of the different aspects of our sound and kind of gave people a taste. So hopefully instead of that music getting old after eight, nine, 10 songs, after five, they'll be excited for when the next one comes out. That makes sense. Um, and then did I see you guys post on uh, Facebook yesterday that you're starting to experiment with, with like a MPC of some sort? Yes. Oh yes. You want to talk to about that, Adam? I originally, um, got that guy actually to do to run lights with for uh for another band and i was just using it as a midi controller and started playing around with it and it's like oh well we're we're neither one of us are drummers uh first and foremost mm -hmm. and so um just to give the song to push the songs along a little bit we'll we'll use that and throw in samples and you know just to help the to help in the writing process it helps to have a beat it helps to be able to feel 
you know, this part of the song is going to have more energy or less energy and the drums are a, a big part of that. And that way we can, it'll help, it helps us create a better outline for when we do bring in a live drummer. So they kind of have a good feeling as to what the sound should be. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I have two left feet. So trying to drum with my foot is very, very difficult and trying to figure out the different sounds in MIDI and uh, scoring all that on a computer was very, very difficult, but it was so much nicer just to know which button was which drum sound and just kind of hit those. I'm definitely more rhythmic with my hands. So it made it a lot easier for me to figure that out. And even though it's never going to really compete with live drums, it did make the writing process a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it makes it makes the shows like you'd mentioned sound a lot fuller in those situations that you can't get a drummer in there, whether it be scheduling or the venue just isn't big enough to hold a full drummer. Usually if if we run into that situation, um, I've built some smaller things. I built a a kick drum out of a suitcase that, that has a trigger in it that um, our drummer will, we'll hook up to his SPDSX. So rather than having the footprint of a full drum kit, it's, you know, about the size of a keyboard basically at that point when he's got, you know, maybe a snare, a cymbal, his SPDSX and the suitcase that he can play like a drum. It sounds like a drum. It just doesn't take up the space. Yeah. I can see using that for, for other things though, possibly in the future. It's relatively new to our songwriting process, so we haven't really explored it too much. Mm-hmm. But considering all of the instrumentation we tend to have in our songs, not all of that can be live. And Adam mentioned that our drummer has an SPDSX, so we will load tracks onto that as well that he can play. But I think that could be another avenue there when we just need something else, another of the sound that the sounds that's in the recording that we just can't get live any other way. True. Um, since you kind of are, since you just mentioned it, what is your writing process? I would say a lot of times, probably most of the time, I come to Adam and say, I have this melody. I wrote out all the lyrics and we'll lay it down to a click and just kind of figure it out from there. Um, a lot of times we'll find reference songs uh, most recently, we just started a new song, writing a new song last week. And while trying to figure out what what the sound was that I was going for, I referenced Phil Collins in the air tonight. And then Adam found a Gautier song um, that had different sounds, but a similar feel. And so we're not we're not t- necessarily taking from those songs. They're just helping us determine what our song needs to sound like and what instrumentation would help it sound like that. We don't really have a writing process though. Um, one of the songs from, from our album home, actually I was on tour with, uh, with Die Crooks in Europe running lights, doing a whole, you know, European thing. And, uh, while I was there, you know, I take my laptop with me and I'm writing and, I get back from a month on the road. I'm like, Hey, Carrie, I wrote a song. She said, Hey, I wrote a song too. And that's pretty much what went on the album. It was crazy. We wrote a song on different parts of the planet. Neither one of us knew what the other one was writing about. And it came together as like a cohesive thing. And 
it turned out great. One of one of my favorites from our catalog. Oh wow! And that's actually happened a couple of times. Um, there are at least two or three songs where he'll write instrumentation, and I'll be like, "Wait, I I wrote this song over here that I think might actually fit to that," and we're able to meld them in such a way that it felt like very natural like we wrote it together even though we wrote it separately and one of them i think i wrote i don't know maybe 15 years ago and he comes and he has this guitar line which is funny because i don't think any guitar ended up in the final song um and they just fit together really really well so i think that also goes back to where i feel like our musical styles and tastes just really click um because we find ourselves kind of on that same page Quite often. Very often. Nice. It's it's nice. Yeah. yeah. It's, that that's always good when you have somebody that you just kind of have that. I I guess you want to call it like a vibe with. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Um. One of the things that we really are trying to emphasize here at Live and Amplified is uh, we want to help cultivate younger musicians. Make sure people that are just starting out exploring their musical abilities or exploring playing music. Uh, We want to try and give them advice and really try and bring value to the podcast and to the listener, especially if they're trying to, uh, I don't want to say play music professionally, but they're trying to like really uh, give music a go. Uh, What advice do you have for younger musicians? Uh, my advice for younger musicians is um, learn to learn to be your own engineer. Um, if you if you can set yourself up a, a little recording setup in a spare bedroom or something like that, and you can, you know, instead of sitting on the couch watching TV, I sit in my studio and I write music and. I, I can't help it. I'll go and I'll sit down and I'll try to watch something and I'll get inspired. There'll be some melody and some song on some TV show. I'm like, Oh, let's go, let's go play around with that. So I, I think for younger musicians, my advice would be don't ever stop. Just continue hone your craft, play your instrument and you can do anything if you practice, but you have to practice. Nobody has that natural ability. That's nonsense. Mm-hmm. I would say kind of piggybacking on on that never stop. Don't be afraid to start. I you know, as I mentioned, I never really had the personality where I was able to sit down and force myself to learn an instrument and while I love where I'm at now musically, I think that that contributed to it taking so long for me to get here. If I had just really focused on it and made it more of a priority, I I don't know, maybe I would have been making music 10, 20 years ago when I still really loved it and really wanted to and just didn't really know how, didn't quite have the right kind of drive, didn't have the right kind of work, work ethic. And I think that's a huge part of it is that music is awesome and wonderful and I love doing it, but it is work. There are moments where I hate having to constantly email people and hate, sometimes I hate the songwriting process and nothing sounds right and getting ready for shows that start at 11 PM 
when I have to work the next day. And it's, it's all worth it in the end. And I think that's the big thing is to remember that if this is something you truly love to do, take the good with the bad and work through it. And like Adam said, never stop, but make sure to start. Perfect. That's, that's very sound advice. And I'm glad you guys gave very honest answers and you know, it's, it being practice is always something that is very understated because everybody like, especially when you're younger, like you see these kids that maybe excel a little bit faster than you and you get discouraged, but you know, everybody runs their own race and everybody's journey is going to be different. And the key component is going to be practice. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. And then, you know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So like, don't be afraid to start. It, it's a, it's all, I, I really appreciate you guys saying that. Um, so my next question is uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your music career? Same practice. Um, one of one of the other bands I play in, uh, Seek Irony, the the guitar player in that band, Alex Campbell, um, he is a monster shredder guitar player. He can play anything you can think of. He's actually did the last tour with Trans Siberian Orchestra. He's an incredible musician. Oh wow! And um, when I first joined Seek Irony, he he would constantly be on me. You need to practice. You need to practice. You're not you're not learning these songs as fast as you should. And he basically put me into a regimen for, for my rehearsal. And also our drummer, Rom, he's the same way. He, they're both music teachers. They're both at the top of their game. They play with multiple other bands and like, you got to practice, you got to be prepared. And now I'm playing with multiple other bands telling other people, you know what, you're not ready. You need to be prepared. And so, yeah, that's, that's the best advice that you can give or get is practice. And whether it's singing or cooking or, you know, working on cars or whatever it is in your life, you have to practice to be good at it. Yep. Yep. Um, for me, I think probably the best piece of advice I ever got was don't constantly compare yourself to others. And you kind of uh, mentioned this, Tom, that it's, you can't constantly look at other people who might be more successful than you or more talented than you and let that get under your skin and let that get into your head. Uh, but focus on what you can do in the moment to make yourself better, to make yourself feel like you're succeeding and moving forward and just stop looking at others like, they're so much better than me. And also looking at others like I could do better than that because that puts you in a really negative headspace where you're, I mean, a lot of working in the music industry is making friends. And if you're constantly being negative about other people and thinking that you're better than them, you're not going to make friends and you're not going to go very far because the mm -hmm. reality is there's always going to be someone better than you. And whether that's good or bad, um, for better or worse, that, that can be something very positive because it can mean that you can always be striving to be better yourself. Um, but it can also be very negative. Um, but yeah, just, just stop, stop thinking about what others are doing and just really focus on what you're doing. 
it's also a constant battle between being patient and pushing forward. Like you have to continually push forward, but you can't expect everything to happen overnight because that's not going to happen. It never has and it never will. So you have to be patient, but you also have to work hard and, and go after it and not just sit there and wait for something to happen because, you know, those days are long gone, unfortunately. If they ever were here. I sat around waiting for something to happen for a very long time and it didn't happen until I went out there and tried to make it happen. Nice. Um, Carrie, you kind of already answered this question, but Adam, are you a full-time musician or do you have a, a day job to kind of support the music habit? I, I do a little bit of everything. I, I like to say that, uh, I do whatever it takes to not go get a real job. Okay. So I, I own a company that does like home audio video, um, some, you know, sound and lighting and stuff like that. I also uh, work as a sound engineer, live sound engineer for bands or lighting, or I manage uh, Horn Lizard Studios here in Austin. So, um, and then I, I also build build record recording studios and maintain recording studios. So, I I have I wear a lot of hats, and I try not to wear the same hat every day because I get bored. Mm. So, yes and no. I make some of my living from music, but not all of it. Okay. Um, and since, at, especially Adam, since you've got all that going on, plus you're in three bands and then Carrie, you have a, an outside job plus Caravan Thorn. How mm -hmm. do you guys find time to write, schedule things out? What's the balancing act like? Calendars are very important. Lots of group text messages. Yeah. Um, I, I live by my calendar, especially uh, my job requires a lot of planning and organization. So literally every aspect of my life is on my calendar. I have different color codes for different parts of it, um, what it's related to. Um, and it also, I would say that for me, using a calendar also makes me realize how much time I actually do have when I feel like I don't have enough time time for things because I'm like oh look I have this entire evening free what am I talking about I don't have time to do music um, and just just scheduling it in we just set uh, now that we kind of finished our all the shows that we had in the works and are trying to figure out like what's next we just set a date every single week so every Wednesday we're going to meet and we're going to do something with music and of course anything else that comes up will be prepared for it and make room for it but that way we always know that on Wednesdays we are making time for Caravan Thorn. Perfect. And actually, I, I, I just kind of real or within the last six months or so, I've really started being very sticklerish about my calendar. But I'm very old school. Like I have to have a physical calendar to write things down. You're not Be alone. Because, like, I mean, the phone, like having my alerts on my phone is cool. But that, like, I have to physically go into my phone and look to see what I have coming for the week. Whereas if I have my physical calendar and I'm sitting at the house, it's like, oh, hey, right here, I've got this, this, and this. And then the phone just kind of helps accentuate that because it'll mm -hmm. give me the up-to-date, like, hey, you have 20 minutes. You better be on your way or whatever. 
you know. Oh yeah. I think that's just a matter of personal styles. I know a lot of people, I actually, I work in higher education and a lot of students prefer physical calendars. Um, and I've, I've heard a lot of reasons why. Personally, I like having the online calendar because I can make instant changes. I can, no matter where I am, if someone's like, hey, are you free at this time? If I'm like at the grocery store, I can tell you within two seconds when I'm free and when I can do things. But I think it's just a matter of preference and what works for you and just finding that organizational, st organizational style that mm -hmm. keeps you on track and keeps you moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's ultimately why I keep both updated because when I am out and about, I do need to be able to know mm -hmm. like, oh, hey, you want me to do something on Thursday at six? Oh, I can't, you know, my whatever, you know, I got it on my phone right there. But like, especially when I'm trying to schedule things out for whatever reason, just doing it on an actual calendar makes more sense. And then I just kind of transcribe it from the actual calendar, mm -hmm. put it wherever else I need it. And I'm good, you know? Yeah. And um, of course the process of physically writing it helps imprint it in your memory. I'm yeah. taking notes here cause I'm terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, you know, it, it took me a long time to be like, I'm still nowhere near close to being considered organized. But the fact that I'm able, like, and I think that's ultimately why I kept kicked the podcast into such high gear is I want to challenge myself to be like, can I keep the schedule? Like, you know, can I keep the schedule on time and, you know, remember every day at nine, seven or whenever that I have this podcast, this podcast, you know, so I think it, it was just a matter of making myself keep a schedule pretty much. Yeah, it definitely helps. And I think, especially when you get really busy, here's, here's another piece of advice for young musicians. And this is something that I've learned, I think just from age and wisdom and experience, um, always make time for self-care. Mm. Always don't feel bad if you're not busy all the time, every second of every day. We definitely live in a world where everybody's expected to constantly be doing something. And I've learned that you just, you can't keep that up physically, mentally. And so I will definitely have days or evenings where I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I already scheduled that I'm going to the gym and I'm going home and sitting on the couch and I'm not doing anything else that day. So do not ask me to, because mm -hmm. you just, you need that. You need that time off. You need that time to yourself. You need that time to decompress and recoup and get ready for the next set of things. Mm -hmm. Actually, and that's a perfect segue into the next topic of conversation. But I do want to say first, I 100% agree with that. I had about three hours before this podcast. And normally I would turn on the TV, watch ESPN or whatever. I sat in my room in the dark for two and a half hours just because I was like, you know what? This silence feels good. Nice. You know, it, like for no other reason than... I just needed to come down from work because it was a hectic day and it felt good. Good for but, you. Yeah. But so the next topic that I kind of want to cover, and it's something that is very much brushed over and carries a neg negative stigma, especially in mainstream America, is the importance of mental health. 
being from Chicago, I knew a lot of people that felt like they couldn't talk to people <laughs> because of the, the, there was a huge, uh, like, saying show no love love will get you killed type situation where i grew up and so a lot of people had a hard time dealing with their emotions and being able to like say hey this happened today i can't handle it and they felt like they had nobody to talk to and then they would either od on drugs or take their own life you know stuff of that nature and had they had somebody to talk to you know maybe they'd still be here mm -hmm. so how important and Carrie, you kind of touched on this a little bit already, but how important is mental health to you? Very. Um, I, I think it's something that people, whenever you use the term mental health, people always think immediately of things that could be wrong with you. But mental health is really just an all-encompassing term for taking care of your brain um and your consciousness and just you as the self and so i think a, a huge piece of the stigma is just we need to remove that that idea that mental health is a negative thing it's and that having any sort of mental health issues means that you're in some way broken or unwhole or bad because that's you can't really control what your brain does um and you talked about it a little bit you know with uh suicide and addiction and uh mental health issues those are all different things but those are all very interrelated and interconnected mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that necessarily everybody who struggles with mental health issues becomes an addict or everybody who's an addict is struggling with mental health issues. But you do see, tend to see those things coincide a lot because mm -hmm. a lot of times when, there's, when one isn't being addressed, another also isn't being addressed. Yeah. And so, especially when you have mental health issues that are being untreated, a lot of people turn to drugs in order to self-medicate and treat themselves. And it's... It's just so, so important that it's, we're constantly talking about it and being open about it and what our own personal struggles are, if we have any, and just being really accepting and open and not blaming people um, for whatever issues they might be having or for not handling them exactly as we think they should right off the bat because it is a struggle. And I think, especially as a musician, depending on what else you're doing. I'm very lucky because my job offers healthcare insurance that covers mental health, but a lot of musicians, I think, don't work in positions like that, and mental health can be really expensive. Um, it's not something that a lot of cities and states and countries have really put a lot of money into, and so it's even more important to remember that people, tend to fail when they don't get the help that they need mm -hmm. and we can't blame them for failing we can and we can blame the system all that we want but most of what we need to do is say how can we help you mm -hmm. and and not shame them yeah and I've, i i don't want to get too edgy with this but 
the there there's been a lot of situations where especially with younger kids that are dealing with some mental health issues they get pushed into uh high powered antipsychotics that maybe they don't need because it it just immediately makes them feel better but in the long term it's doing in my opinion irreparable damage and it's setting them up for like worse things down the line but that that's neither here nor there that's just me seeing the things that i've seen but you know i i i really just want to emphasize the importance of being able to talk to people and especially in bands as as a band do you guys have like an open policy to where if in the middle of practice somebody says hey I'm just not feeling it right now. I have something going on. Do you got like, how do you guys, if something were like that were to happen, how do you guys usually deal with it? It's not something that we've had to deal with as of yet. Um, I definitely have a leg up because I work in social work. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly surrounded by um, what to do and what not to do. And everybody in the band, I think, knows that I, even though I'm not a social worker and I want to make that very clear, they have yeah. a lot more training than I do. I am having been surrounded by it for 11 years now. I do kind of feel like I at least have enough knowledge to be a little more understanding and open. So I would hope that if someone in the band was struggling with something or just needed time off, or needed to deal with something that they would feel comfortable talking to us about it. Okay. Um, but it's not, it's not something where we've felt the need to create any sort of policy. Okay. And it's not something where we felt like anyone so far in the band has um, really been struggling with something and didn't feel comfortable talking to us. And maybe policy was a strong word to use, but I, it, I, it was I get a, what you're saying. Just, just having, making it clear. Yeah. Um, and like the one thing that's always interesting to me, especially with working with musicians and seeing how some musicians get so emotional on stage because they're pouring their heart and soul out. They're making themselves so vulnerable and so open on a night in night out basis. And then they're, they just don't have the support structure after the show to be like, or to have somebody to talk to and say, Hey, that set tonight just really got to me because I caught myself thinking about something that brought me into a bad play, you know, whatever the situation may be. And it's, especially with musicians, I just really want to emphasize the importance of talking to somebody when you're just not feeling or you're feeling in a bad place or you're feeling down, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Yeah. And I think that works both ways where if you're aside from that, being open and available to that person, but also as that person, if you are feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you did have a really rough night, you have to tell somebody you Mm -hmm. have, you have to admit first to yourself that you need help. And then you have to tell somebody that you need help because 
a lot of times what you hear in a lot of these really tragic cases is people had no idea what was going on because of that, I, that concept that you had to hide your mental health issues from people. Mm-hmm. So it, it really does work both ways that people need to be open to helping, but people also need to ask for help because as much as we want to believe that we'll, we'll see the problems in our friends and loved ones, you that's won't. not necessarily true if they're really yeah. good at hiding it. Yeah. Exactly. And so I, I, I don't want to keep the interview in a down, in a somber mood, but it, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk about that. Cause I really think it's important, especially yeah. recently when we, like there's like, I know I'm not the only one that has lost friends in the music business or just in general to substance ODs and stuff that led was rooted from mental health issues. Yeah, and I know I've been talking a lot. So Adam, do you do you for, anything? For me, actually, the the whole process of playing music and and having that that drive in my life to concentrate on that's that's like therapy for me. So having these other people that I go and play music with, I might I might be having a bad day. And I don't need to talk about it because we just went in the room, we played music and I let it all go at that point. So a a lot of the times just playing music is, is enough. You don't always need to talk about it. Sometimes you just need to go let it out musically. Then I, 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 I'll, I'll say it like, Hey guys, I need musical therapy. Hey, can we get together and play? I don't care what we play. I just need to get together. I need to play my instrument Mm -hmm. with, someone other than the wall you know yep and uh my sound engineer has told me that a few different times where he will be out doing a production somewhere and he'll just rent like if we're playing or if we're working with a act he'll pick up the drumsticks and just start messing around on the drum to jam with them just to kind of calm himself down because he just got a disturbing phone call or whatever the situation was so i definitely understand both sides or where you're coming from as well adam so and that's definitely important because music is therapy and sometimes that's all musicians need so but um anyways what's What's your upcoming schedule looking like? I know you, you guys um, kind of mentioned that you've played out the remainder of, or the majority of your shows that you had booked, but do you have anything on the uh, uh, horizon or? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's not just about shows. Uh, we are working on, we're going to submit again for the second year in a row to the tiny desk Mm-hmm. Uh, concert competition. So we're working on getting that done in the next couple of weeks. We also have another music video planned for one of the songs off our EP, Me Without You. Um, and the goal for that is in June to have that video come out. And then also just kind of, uh, in addition to constantly writing new music and making sure we always have new stuff going on. Um, as I mentioned earlier, being more intentional and creative with our shows. So we would love to do more of that live band burlesque. That was a lot of fun and, and a really nice challenge for us. 
Um, I'm actually about to meet with someone to talk about putting together a show that combines our live music with improv and sketch. Um, and I, we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. It sounds like she already has a number of ideas. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that turns out. Um, and again, that would be more of like, this is a full show and a full program as opposed to a couple of bands playing on a stage and doing something a little more interesting with our music. We've talked about, um, playing our music over silent films. Oh, wow. uh, doing something like that or working with um, a swing club, a swing dancing club uh, to maybe do something where instead of a standard show, we would be playing during one of their lessons maybe, or we would create a show around, hey, come see us live and learn how to swing dance. So we're, we're trying to veer away, especially with scheduling six people in a band um, who are all in other bands mm. except for me <laughs> uh just trying to be more intentional and making sure that we we've done the shows where we've played for an audience of two and it's our friends mm -hmm. um and it's just it's really deflating to have shows like that it doesn't feel like it was worth the energy and the effort and the time to lug everything out there and then play for people who've already heard you who are already your fans um, so just to make it more meaningful for us, to make it more meaningful for the audience that comes and more meaningful for the rest of the band. And hopefully have a larger, a larger audience than, you know, a Tuesday night in downtown Austin where it may or may not be people there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand. Um, but you guys might be onto something with the, uh, swing dancing thing. I, for whatever reason, I've really been into trying to find like the old school big bands that like bands that have the old big band style or sound. And mm -hmm. for I just see that being a really big thing for the next few years or have the potential to be the next big thing because I've seen a few different posts about uh, the return of the Roar in 20s and all mm -hmm. that, you know. So we were one of those. <laughs> yeah, we're counting on that, actually. That, that would be really awesome. Like, just bringing back swing dance. Like, I could never swing dance. Like, I just, I, like you said, Carrie, uh, I have two left feet. Like, mm -hmm. I, I trip walking. Like, you know, it's just the nature of my, my being. But, you know, just watching people that can swing dance. It's amazing. Oh, it's and incredible. Even, yeah. And then even listening to the music, there's so much energy and so much stage presence to the performance. It, it makes it, I have to say, uh, at our, we had an EP release show and there were some impromptu swing dances happening and it definitely changed the energy the energy of the show it changed the energy of the audience it changed the energy of us on stage to see people connecting to the music in such a way that even if you can't dance um being that band who is making people dance that is feels amazing um mm. and i definitely want to recreate that feeling yeah. Maybe more intentionally this time. <laughs> yeah. But I'll still take just random swing dances at any show. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, do you, how, or 
have you guys done like a traditional tour or is that still an aspiration that you're trying to set? We haven't done a traditional tour. Um, I don't know that that's really our style. Um, I think we're, we're still trying to kind of figure out our style, but we're more of the, you know, put together an event, you know, have a, a burlesque show or have a comedian come on stage before us or, you know, more of a variety show type band than um, let's go out and play with three other bands, you know, and, and try to muscle our way through a tour. Yeah. And especially think, with the... Oh, I think we would probably, if we were to tour, we would probably try to do it much like we're trying to plan our shows right now is first figure out where our fan base could or would be or is because uh, that's another thing I see a lot is you go to these towns and nobody comes out because you didn't really put in the thought and the planning to make sure that they knew who you were and would be interested and then see what was there like if we go to someplace like Chicago they I know that they have a huge burlesque scene there so that would be something where I would look at what kinds of shows have we been pretty successful at putting together who else is in these cities that we want to travel to and how can we build something that's not just about us but also about what's already going on in that city and find that way to bring those two worlds together I think that would that would really be more our style than just like here's three bands on the road hitting all these towns. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, what do you when you when you're not playing music or not focused on the music industry? What do you guys do for fun? Like, what what's your real stress reliever? What are you talking about? <laughs> music is fun. <laughs> No, seriously, that's that's all I do. That's that's seriously all I do. I, I I play music and I work and that's it. Okay. I'm trying to think. I'm like, what do I do? I used to act um, okay. until it actually stopped being fun. Yeah. Uh, so that was a few years ago, and I was I was on a short film set. I I hated every single minute of it, and that was the last time I ever acted. And I actually got into improv for a while, and it's a lot of fun, but it just, I feel like right now, I'm definitely the kind of person who needs a lot more me time and self-care mm. time, and I'm, I tend to be a bit of an introvert, and I feel like with introverts especially, we we can be extroverted, but it takes a lot of energy. So trying to, I know my partner, he's extremely extroverted and he'll have moments where he's like, Oh no, I just need to kind of, you know, play my video game by myself or look at Reddit or watch YouTube, but mm -hmm. he can be back on pretty quickly. Whereas me, I'm like, I need, I just ran an event last night. I need two straight days where I don't have to talk or look at anybody. Yeah. Um, just to kind of recover from that mentally. So for me, music is kind of my big fun side passion mm. um, and hobby outside of work. And I, I mean, it's definitely more than a hobby, but that's part of what I love about doing it. Gotcha. And I, think, I, I guess saying for fun was kind of a weird, another weird lack of uh, ver or words, but you know, that 
just kind of it's that boring. We don't I, really I actually get that question all the time. What else do you do? I'm like, this is what I do. Yeah. I sit in front of the TV and <laughs> pretend the world doesn't exist. Yeah. Hey, I, I mean, sit in front of pro tools and pretend the world doesn't exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I do the exact same thing. Like I sit in front of my computer editing music, live performance videos or podcasts or you know, what, you know, that's what I do. So I completely understand where that comes from, but you know, people don't know on the side, I collect baseball cards. So that's, you know, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's just, I just something that I got into. So, um, but I, cause I don't want to occupy all your guys' time. Cause I know it's already getting not, pretty late but you know i I don't want to occupy too much more of your time so what's the what do you see for your future like we've talked a lot about what you're working on now and what you've done in the past what do you ultimately see your musical journey going one day at a time is the way it's going now um I would like to get out on the road and, and play some shows with this band. Um, you know, maybe do a South by or two ACL live would be really fun. Um, you, you asked about, I'm just going to go back to the tour thing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're in Austin. There's so many big epic shows that go on here every year that we don't really need to leave yeah. to, to do what we need to do. People come here to try to make their dreams come true. We already live here. So, I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. I think the ideal for me would be probably the same as any musician is to be able to make a living at it. I mean, it would be great to be like Lizzo level famous and wanted. um, But I don't, I don't even think I need that so much as I just, I would like to be able to, do this full time and not worry about money or healthcare or my mortgage payments mm. or how I'm going to take care of my dogs as they get older. Um, but then also just constantly making it interesting for us. So I, I don't, I don't want to get in a rut with this band where I feel like, why are we doing this? Um, and so far we, I definitely haven't felt that there've been times where I felt like, why aren't we doing more of this? Um, but I think also just the way that we're going and the ideas that we have, it would, it would, we'd really have to try very hard to stop being interesting, at least to ourselves. Um, and I just, I would just love to do more of that, honestly. Yeah, play more shows. Um, and just, we, we really enjoy the people that we play with. They're all uh, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and every experience every show is a little different everything we, we we played a little loose we like to have fun and so um there there are no rules in in our band you you come as you are and we we have a great time so i i would like to just continue having fun and see where it goes um i don't really have any expectations cuz then you're you're let down when you have those like let's just let's let's run towards where we're running and see where see where we're running towards it's and see where it takes you yeah Yeah, exactly i temper that with some expectations i i have some rules but that's because i feel like you do need some there i think 
Adam, you were actually in a band that did not have enough rules and that band completely imploded. This is true. So I, I think it's, it's good. We kind of balance each other out in that respect. Um, I, I agree a lot with what Adam's saying is that, yeah, we, we do have a lot of fun and we don't try to impose a lot of things on the musicians that we play with. But I also think that we've just found really compatible musicians to play with as well. And that is really helpful is that we're not, we haven't really reached a point where we feel the need to impose a lot of rules because we all get on the same page very easily. Everyone's kind of responsible for themselves. They know that when I show up to rehearsal, I'm going to be practiced. They, they know what's expected of them because mm -hmm. they're all pros. Like yeah. we, we, we deal with professionals and we're lucky enough to, to know a lot of people who are really, really good at what they do. So, you know, me telling someone, Hey, come to practice rehearse is redundant because he wouldn't be in my band if he would, if he would not show up prepared, yeah. you know? And I think even beyond just being professional, we all want to see this be successful. Everyone believes in it. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot. That, that also just makes me feel really good about having put in all this time and effort and energy into this music. Because when you have, I had a, a really wonderful moment. Um, we made a few promo videos to hype up our EP and uh, our trumpet player who had played on one song and recorded for us, I just happened to reach out to him and say, hey, would you be interested in maybe working on these videos with us? It's just a couple songs that we would need you for. And um, one of them, Me Without You, has uh, scat and scat callbacks in it. Mm -hmm. And I did, had no idea he was doing this at the time because nobody asked him to, nobody taught this to him. But as I watched the final video, he's doing the scat callbacks. And that was like heart bursting because you're like, oh my God, we made this song that people enjoy so much that they're just singing it on their own without anybody having to like ask them to do that. They just want to, it's, it's catchy, it's fun and they're loving it. And that just makes me love it even more and feel really proud of all the work that we've done and put into all this music and this band. Nice. Um, with you'd kind of brought up South by Southwest a little bit ago, Adam, and with that coming up here, what does it start in like two weeks? I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How how as a native or as a band based out of Austin, what's how how do you take advantage of South by Southwest being pretty much in your backyard? Like what, what's the pros, what are the cons, you know, stuff of that nature. The pros are definitely, um, there are audiences, there are people to listen to your music. They're everywhere. If you can land the, you know, 30 minute slot or <clears throat> excuse me, um, an open jam or whatever, uh, there are people to listen and, the con to that is there's people and they're everywhere and you can't get anywhere because there's people everywhere. So the pro is also the con at South by Southwest. I think also it, 
Austin is already very competitive musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're just adding like 10 times the competition because South by isn't just about supporting local bands. It's about supporting bands everywhere. And you have um, bands that are independent and then you have Lady Gaga and it's, it's a lot. And it's a lot to have to ask people to decide if you are the one playing that hole in the wall bar at the exact same time that Lizzo is on stage somewhere else, Lizzo's going to get all the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, you, you do have a lot of built-in audiences, but they're not, they're still not guaranteed even during South by because of that additional competition. Yep. And isn't there also a bunch of like unofficial South by Southwest venues that are anybody who can shove a, a stage in the corner of their, you know, juice bar, they're going to do that for South by they're everywhere. There's oh, yeah. a thousand a backyard party is an unofficial South by Southwest show. Or I think venue. I've been in Austin for eight years and I think there's one year that I didn't play an unofficial show with somebody. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Hey, I mean, it, the, the audience is there. You have to take a shot at it, right? Absolutely. But um, last off, I just want to thank you guys so much for giving me the opportunity to chat with you. Um, it's been an absolute blast. Um, I know it's uh, – where can people uh, find you on social media to – um, stay on top of what you're releasing and any potential upcoming shows. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and I begrudgingly say Twitter. Uh, we also have a website. So everything is, all of our handles are Caravan Thorn, all one word. And our website is caravanthorn.com. And I do my best to make sure that uh, aside from Twitter, which I personally loathe, Um, I definitely try to make sure that Facebook, Instagram, and our website are always up to date with anything that's upcoming and YouTube and YouTube. Don't forget YouTube. Nope. Can't forget YouTube. Oh, but yeah, thanks again for giving me your time. Um, thanks. uh, Thanks everybody for tuning in. I hope you guys really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and we will see you guys later.